Hi, everyone. Welcome to this weekend's Mother's Day. Mother's Day is a very special day. It's not just about mothers. It's about we women. So if you have a lady next to you, a woman next to you, whether she's young, whether she's older, turn to her and say, gosh, blessed woman, she's gorgeous. Aren't I blessed? And if you are a woman, I want you to say, I am blessed to be a woman. So I'm going to start off by really blessing every woman, not just mothers, but every woman today. So if you have, uh, you can look at the screen, you can look at my prayer. And I just crafted this prayer. It comes from Psalm 139. And I'm going to bless you with this prayer. Lord, you are so intimately aware of me as a woman. You read my heart like an open book. And you know all the words I'm about to speak before I even start a sentence. You know every step I will take before my journey even begins. You have gone into my future to prepare the way. And in kindness, you follow behind me to spare me from the pain of my past. You have laid your hand on me, O Lord. I thank you, Lord. This is just too wonderful, deep and incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. I thank you, Lord, that every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day has passed. So, Lord, I can entrust my life to you. Lord Jesus, we as women, we can entrust our lives to you. And we, oh Lord God, are so blessed that today you call us daughters, women made in the image of God. And so, Lord, bless every woman out there, even as whatever they're going through, today, right now, Bless them with the image of who they are, the way you see them. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Do you know something? I could feel this. When I ended the prayer by saying, I want you to see yourself made in the image of God, the way God sees you, I absolutely felt the Lord looked at you and says, you are my beautiful, wonderful daughter, my best creation. And that's what we women are. Now, today I thought of, I would want to share this thing about women walking into our destiny. What is destiny? Destiny is the purpose for which God created us. Psalm 139 says, all the days written about me was in your book. And so God actually, when he designed each of us, he created us for a purpose. And that purpose is called destiny. And the devil hates us to know our destiny. That's why most of us don't even think about destiny and never even know what our destiny is. You know why? Because the devil knows if you know your destiny, especially us women, we will do everything we can to fight for it. All spiritual warfare is about destiny. So the devil wants to steal, kill and destroy your destiny. And if he can destroy a woman's destiny, wow! He can destroy a family's destiny. He can destroy mankind's destiny. And that is why destiny is very precious. Not only is destiny about the purpose that which God has created us, and the devil hates us to walk into our destiny, but our destinies are intertwined. No man can achieve a destiny by himself. No woman achieves a destiny by themselves. It's only when man and women relate together when children and parents relate together, when we come together as friends, when we relate to our nation, when we achieve our destiny, our families will achieve their destiny. Our children will achieve their destiny. 
and our nation will also achieve their destiny. Destiny is really important. And you know something? How would you describe your destiny? How do you know you have reached your destiny? You feel like this. I've been born for such a time as this. It creates fulfillment. It brings you joy. And it makes you realize, wow, I have walked into something called purpose and meaningfulness. Now, how do we do that? So today, I thought of sharing with you a story from the book of Ruth. And when we look at these women, Naomi and Ruth, we start off by seeing that they actually were lost, okay? So turn with me now to the book of Ruth, and I'm going to read just a few verses here and there. So in Ruth chapter 1, In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi, and the name of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. They were Ephraim, Ephrathites, I mean from the tribe of Ephraim, from Bethlehem, Judah. And they went to Moab and lived there. And now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. And they married Moabite women, one named Oprah, and the other Ruth. And after they lived there about 10 years, both Malon and Kilion also died. And look at the sentence. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. How could a woman who has faced such loss, a loss of a husband, and after that, even losing her two sons, how could a woman like that ever walk into her destiny? And that's not all. What happened was that as you read the whole story of Ruth, maybe just go home and read the whole of chapter one, you will discover that even as she realized she has lost her husband, she has lost her two sons, she decided she returned back to Bethlehem, to the land of Judah, because she heard that there was the famine there had stopped. So she went back. And as she went back, she looked at her two daughter-in-laws and said to them, don't follow me, because if you follow me, you will never have a chance to get married again. You won't have another life again. So this is what she said to the, to the daughter, to the daughters. Look at verse 12. All right. Look at verse 12. Return home, my daughters. I'm too old to have another husband. Even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons, would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. In fact, Naomi began to call herself, I am no longer called Naomi, which is delight. I am called Mara, which means bitter. How can a woman who has faced a loss, I think she's lost her wealth as well. She's lost even her husband. She's lost her sons. And she would be considered, she's lost her future. And not only that, she says, the Lord Almighty has made my life bitter, as if she has almost lost her faith. But even in the midst of all that loss, God was still with her. That's why destiny is not about loss. Yes, we women. As women, we've gone through the loss of health sometimes. Some of you are going through the loss of health. Some of you are going through the loss of jobs. Some of you are going through the loss even of marriages. And some of you are struggling with childlessness. Naomi was childless after her sons died. And these two women, the daughter-in-laws, had no children, obviously. 
So childlessness is a great pain for us women. And not only that, the prospect of marriage. Do you know this sentence? Would you never get married? She said to the two daughter-in-laws. Why did she say that? Because if they followed her, the prospect of marriage would diminish. And that's why she persuaded them to leave. This is the pain of womanhood. Loss, sometimes no children, widowhood, divorce, singlehood. Some of us may never have a chance to ever get married. And these are the pains we women go through. But even as we talk about pain, the journey towards destiny is often littered with pain. But there is no pain, there will be no gain. So even as you know this year, our theme is Together We Overcome, right? For us women, we must overcome pain. And even as we learn to overcome pain, that's how we journey into our destiny. So I want to share with you three thoughts for this weekend, for us as women. What would enable a woman to journey out of her pain, out of her struggles, out of the seeming barrenness of her life? What will help her to journey out of that into destiny and fruitfulness? Three thoughts. The first is, we must embrace womanhood. We must not deny the fact we have been made a woman. Secondly, we must delight in wholesomeness. And thirdly, we must also live or walk like Ruth into wholeheartedness. So let me start with embracing womanhood. The most important thing for a woman is not to forget that she's a woman, not to even fight against the fact that she's a woman. The most important thing for a woman is to embrace womanhood. It doesn't matter if she ever gets married, if she's divorced, or if her children has run away from her, or if she's failed even in being a mother, or even as she may be still struggling with health. The most important thing is to embrace womanhood. Do you know I was born at the time, I'm sure you know by now, where women were not esteemed. And so my mother used to say to me, if only you were a man, if only you were a boy, because my mother had four girls, and and when she looked at me, then another girl. So she was like so disappointed. Why? Because when she lived in the era that my mother was born, a woman went through a lot of struggles and had no sense of worth and value. But do you know something? It is the Lord Jesus that began to speak into my life and began to tell me, it's only when I see who I am in God's eyes that I will understand womanhood. In the days like my mother, women struggled with womanhood. They never understood what it was. So it's a little bit like this picture that I'm going to put up. The women of the yesteryears were dominated by the men. And the domination of women produced tremendous anger, frustration, and a fight within them with this question, why am I a woman? Why did God make me a woman? Do you know I used to ask those questions too? You know why? Do you know that when I was long, long ago in Sabah, in SIB in Sabah, they never allowed women to ever preach. Well, that was not so bad, except that I thought to myself, why is it that women are not allowed to show off their skills? Why only the men? And then not only that, very often I found that many practices for women were unfair. So I began to say to the Lord, why did you make me a woman? Why didn't you make me a man? That's what happens. When we keep asking those questions, there's anger, there's strife. 
And so that's how Women's Lib came about. And that's how the feminist movement came about. But now we're swinging to the other side where women realize, oh, they are somebody. They are they're not just nobodies. And now, look at this next, the women of, to, of the future, actually it's the women of today. We have what is called the rise of the dominant Noi Kyong Yan. But what happens to the men? They are made to be house husbands. But you know something? As long as we don't come back to God and understand how God made women, we will struggle between domination by men or we ourselves as women will end up dominating men. Both will not enable women to reach their destiny. And if we don't reach our destinies, the men, the children, the families cannot reach their destiny. So that is when the Lord spoke to me and said, you want to understand womanhood? Be like Ruth. Go back, return, return to the beginning. You see, Ruth, uh, sorry, Naomi, Naomi's life was crippled. Her life was devastated. But what did she do? She didn't stay in her pain. She didn't stay angry. She decided she would return back to Judah. The return to Judah would be like me, returning back to creation story. When I return back to creation story, and I read in Genesis chapter 1, verse 27 and 28, I read this. And so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Wow! That was when I realized, when I went back to creation story, God actually made men and women in his own image. In other words, if you want to see the image of God, you don't just look at men, you must look at men and women. What does that mean? That means both men and women are equally important to God, equally valuable to God. I would say men and women are equal in worth, which is why I loved saying this to myself. I'm of equal value to God as any person, whether it's a guy or another woman. Every woman, you have equal worth before God. And that is why I can say I am so valuable that Jesus died for me. Do you know when I was a woman, my mother used to say this to me, Okay, let me explain that in English. In other words, my mother was saying, do you know we women, we have so little value, not even, nobody would pay for you. Your value is as low as a pair of pants. Now, in those days, we don't wear Levi jeans, okay? It's just like pajama pants, so worthless. In other words, worthlessness is what a woman was told. But when I read, Genesis 1, verse 27, I made an image of God. And then I go and read in the Bible that God so loved me and that he gave, I love this verse in, uh, actually it's, it is in 1 Peter. It's not with silver and gold that he purchased me, ransomed me, but it was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. In other words, what's the value? What's the value of my life? Oh, the value of my life is not even all the gold and all the silver in the world. The value of my life is the blood of Jesus Christ, the precious blood of Jesus Christ that was shed to purchase me. That is my value. When I heard about that, when I learned that, I would wake up every morning and say, Lord, I am truly valuable in your eyes. And because I'm valuable in your eyes, I'm valuable in my own eyes. It doesn't matter what anyone thinks of me but I have equal value to men and I am of equal value to you. My life 
is precious. Not only do we have equal worth, but we actually have an equal calling, like the men. Our calling is actually to be fruitful, to multiply, to fill the earth, to subdue it, to rule over the earth. So what is a, what is a woman? How do we start knowing who we are? Go back to the beginning. God made us to be of equal value to men. Type it down. Say it to another person. Say it to your husband. Say it to your boyfriend. I am of equal value to you. And not only that, we both have a same calling. And as we do that, the second thing we must also remember, though we are equal, we are not the same. Girls, you don't want to be the same as the men. I mean, men can never be as colorful as us. Men cannot be the same as us, and we don't want to be the same as them. Believe me, you don't. Now, I want to read this verse. I want to read this verse in Genesis 2, verse 18, to explain what does it mean to be equal in worth, but yet different in makeup. Why must we be different? So Genesis 2, verse 18 says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Do you know the word man to be alone? It's describing man's intrapersonal loneliness when women have not yet been made. But what is it about the image of a woman that God is showing us here? Look at the word suitable helper or a helper suitable for him. Often for us as women, when we look at the word helper, we naturally think of it as someone who is inferior, someone who is serving someone more superior, even like a maid, someone who is like a doormat. But we forget that in the Hebrew, the word helper is the word applied to God. God is our helper. Of whom shall I be afraid? And because God is strong and able to help us, therefore we are able to rise to another level. In the same way, God is saying to us women, you are the helper suitable for man. You may look at you, looking at you, they may think you're weak, but you are not weak. You are that suitable helper that would cause the man to rise up to his destiny. Why do I say that? Because the word is helper, suitable for him, or suitable helper. So the word is a compound word in the Hebrew, a suitable helper. Not just a helper, but a suitable helper. What's a suitable helper? Somebody who's equal in makeup, uh, in stature as him. Equal worth, equal value. In other words, when a man and a woman stand together facing each other, the woman can look at the man and they're of equal worth. And because they're of equal worth, God can cause the woman to call out the man in the man. I know you men, you don't understand that. But you know, I've been uh, sharing at wedding some, uh, weddings for a long, long time. And during the time I was sharing about weddings, the Lord said this to me. Mothers grow sons, but it is the wife that calls out the man. Wow, when I heard about that, it's a wife that grows a man. I thought to myself, yeah, that is true. That is why God gave women to men. So if you look at Pastor Chu this weekend and his launch revelations, right? Don't forget, it is me that called out the man in him. 
Okay, guys, give me some slack. It's Mother's Day. It's Women's Day. I'm allowed to say what I want. And all the women join me and say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, that's what we are made for, to call out manhood to their full stature, to all that they can be, to challenge them but in the right way. Now, I'm going to share with you a book. This book is very good. It's written by a man called Glenn Stanton from Focus on the Family. And the title is great, Secure Daughters, Confident Sons. In other words, what we women must do is be secure in being a woman. Don't try to be what we are not. Don't try to think of, do you know something? We're not a woman just because we're married. We're not a woman just because we have children. We're not a woman just because we are successful. We are women because we are a woman. That is what it means to be a secure woman. When women are secure, the men are confident. That's how we call out the men in them. How do we do it? So Glenn Stanton mentions many things in his book, but I'm going to mention only three points. The first is this. He says this. A woman wants to be a man's equal. In fact, a woman is a man's equal, but she's not the same. She's an equal of a very special kind, a different kind. At a deep and fundamental level, she has a strong desire to be led, protected, and cared for. Do you know women? It is good that we are women first and not trying to compete with the men. One of the most beautiful things about being a woman is that we have a wisdom that's different from the men. And this is where I want to say to the men, don't put down your, man, your wife's suggestions or don't put down the women's suggestions, opinions in, in a boardroom or even in cell groups. I know we women like to talk a lot and you don't get anything that we're talking, but that's because our brains are differently wired. But try to look beyond this. We have something to offer you, something different. Do you know my husband realized this? Yes, he doesn't like to, me to talk so much, but he learned something. He learned that the trick to draw out the most in a woman is not to just tell them don't talk or to tell them uh, don't listen to their opinions, but he decided that the best thing is to empower them. So he empowered me. And look at what happened. Because he realized that women want to be empowered, because he empowered me, he himself has now risen to who he is. Do you know something? He got the understanding to the book of Revelation. Let me tell you a secret. Last year, when I was doing intercession for the nation, I did intercession, he got revelation. But you know what? Both of us are rising to our moment of destiny. It's not about who is doing which is better. Both are important because I was interceding. The heavenly realms were open and I believe because of that, he got all the downloads and he will share it to you all. But I'm so happy as well because I have, I'm an equal of a different kind. The second thing we must understand is a woman wields what's called soft power. I love this. That's what Glenn Stanton says. A woman wields soft power which shapes humanity. What is soft power? Now, this is soft power. Soft power is a fe feminine power which draws out the man to be strong, to be courageous, to, to fight for you, to really stand with, uh, and kill the lion and the bear for you. How do you do that? Actually, it's about femininity. I believe that the first thing we women must do in our soft power so as to draw out the man is don't try to do things that you he can do, you also can do. Example, if there is a heavy table or a heavy load, 
Let the man lift it up. Don't try to do it yourself. Just look demure and helpless. When you do that, the men love it. They rise to their men who come, let me take that heavy load off you. But you know something, women? I am going to suggest to you, I advocate this. Let the men carry the heavy loads, the, 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 the barang barang, the shopping, the, the, the television, but don't let them carry your handbag because your handbag is what makes you feminine. That's called soft power. You still remain feminine. Second thing, I'm going to encourage you as women. I learned it from the Lord. Don't try to out-talk your husband or the men in the room, in the boardroom, in the cell group. Single girls learn this because I saw a single girl out-talk, always try to out-talk the men, always putting the men down in the cell group. Poor girl. Now, I'm not saying that's the reason why she's still not married, but I, I, all the men like cannot tahan her. So what must you girls do? What must we girls do? I had to learn it. What must we girls do? Oh, when they want to talk, we also offer our opinions. We will offer our opinions, but let them have the last talk. Because when they have the last talk, they will rise up to be leaders. And then you don't have to be a cell leader anymore. So that is what happens. I learned this as a wife. I realized that when my husband looks good and is significant amongst all the peers, wow, he will make me also significant. He will empower me even more. So that's called wielding soft power. The third thing is in wielding soft power is to learn to actually submit. Now, this is a big topic, so I'm not going to go into it. Submission is merely learning to walk towards destiny together. What does submission mean? Sub under a mission. Both men and women, we both have a destiny to reach. But if we try to compete, both of us will not reach our destiny. So that's called soft power. But the third thing Glenn Stanton speaks about in this book, Secure Daughters, Confident Sons, how can we draw out the men to be confident sons? And how can we remain secure as a woman? His third point is this. A woman prefers modesty. A confident woman knows that she possesses something very precious and valuable, which is who she is as a woman, the power of her femininity. And she's driven by innate desire to protect it. Modesty is fundamental to her nature. Now, remember, we are talking about women walking into our destiny, walking into the fulfillment, walking into the purpose God has created for. And God has created us to be women first. And that is why we need to embrace our womanhood. But the second thing that's very important, if we're going to walk into our destiny and we're going to enable the men around us to walk into their destiny, to be confident men, we must also delight in wholesome thoughts. Or wholesomeness. And this is where I want to talk about sexuality. Delighting in wholesome thoughts is the key to delighting in wholesome relationships. What is a woman's modesty? A woman's modesty is like what Glenn Stanton said. She prefers not to be the one to make the sexual moves. She actually loves to be loved, but not to be molested, which is why the me Too movement is a powerful movement. It is a voice of the woman says, I love being a woman. I love being beautiful, but I don't want to be molested. And that is why today I'm going to say to you women, if you want the men to rise to who they are, to respect us, to treat us with honor, then we too must have wholesome thoughts. What are wholesome thoughts? 
The opposite of wholesome thoughts is obviously unwholesome thoughts. I would like to use the word sensual thoughts. What is wholesome thoughts? Wholesome thoughts is wholesome in the way we look at ourselves sexually as a human being. What is sexuality? What is wholesome sexuality? Wholesome sexuality is where we see our gender as part of our identity. We are a woman and we are proud of being a woman. But that is who we are, a woman. But at the same time, while God has made us to be sexual beings, He did not make us to be a sex slave. So women, don't indulge in fantasies about sex and about unwholesome thoughts. Because when you do that, you cannot rise to who you are. Wholesome sexuality doesn't make us just realize we're sexual beings, but wholesome sexuality will lead to wholesome relationships. But what if we don't have wholesome thoughts and we begin to have fantasy, thoughts of sex only or sensual thoughts? When we have sensual thoughts, we will only think about sex as an act. And all of us as girls, do you know something? To us, sex is not an act. Sex is about meaningful relationships. But if you give in to sensual thoughts, sex is reduced to an act. And if sex to reduce an act, then our body is only used to gratify lust. And before long, we are actually arousing lust, not love from the man. When women's modesty is lost, three things are lost. The first thing that's lost is sex as God intended. So sex becomes easily available or sexual immorality becomes prevalent. Do you know something? If you say no to a man's advances, whether you're single or whether you're married or whatever status you're in, there's nothing a man cannot do. And if he rapes you, it's called a crime. If you say no to a man, there's nothing he can do. There's power in being a woman. And when you say no, he also cannot do further. But if you say yes, not only will there be sex becomes easily available, if you keep saying yes, yes, yes to the man, there's no serious call to manhood. And before long, the man doesn't rise in commitment to sacrifice, to provide, and to protect you. So women today on Mother's Day, on Women's Womanhood Day, not only must you embrace your womanhood, you must embrace wholesome thoughts. Wholesome thoughts is what will produce wholesome relationships. Only when there's wholesome relationships can the world change. That is why, women, the destiny of the world, the destiny of future generations lie in us. Being glad we were made a woman, but also delighting in wholesomeness, wholesome sexuality, wholesome thoughts, creating wholesome relationships between boundaries between men and women. And when we are a wife, wholesome womanhood towards our husband. When we do that, we will walk into our destiny. To walk into our destiny, I think women are more able to walk into our destiny more than men because there's one thing about women. They are sensitive, spiritually more sensitive to the call of God over their lives. Secondly, also why women can walk into destiny better is because they're more sacrificial. They don't mind 
giving up certain things if they can achieve a higher goal. The third reason why women can walk into destiny is because they can see purpose in a way that man cannot. And that is what Ruth saw. Do you know, I want to go back to the story of Ruth and Naomi. Here was Naomi, she was going back to Judah. She was going to go back alone, destitute, broken, with nothing to show. Her husband had died, her sons has died. And these two are Moabitist women. They're not even Jewish women. What will the others think? In Israel, they would think she has really, really gone apostate. Yet, as she went back, she had a daughter-in-law. Her name was Ruth. Now look at Ruth. What future has she got if she went back with Naomi? She's a Moabitess. Will the Israelites accept her? And not only that, will she ever get married? But do you know something about these two women? They couldn't, you know, women are not great at, at, at all this, what I call uh, logical thinking, you know, uh, they're, but they're good at intuition. So both Ruth and Naomi had an intuitive sense to make a decision that would define their destiny. So this is what Naomi did. I told you just now, Naomi made a decision. I will return back to Bethlehem. Do you know it's said in the end of the last verse in Ruth chapter 1, it says that when Naomi returned uh, to Bethlehem, it was the beginning of the barley harvest. It was harvest time. So she was arriving at Bethlehem at the right timing of God. How did she know? She probably didn't know, but she's spiritually sensitive. She's a woman. She's a woman. She's spiritually sensitive. And something in her intuition drew her back to her original design. And she walked back to the right timing of God. But what about Ruth? What about Ruth? Ah, look at Ruth. She said this to her mother-in-law. Don't urge me to leave you. Where you go, I will go. And where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people. Your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. Wow, what a woman. Do you know why she can do this? Again, because she's spiritually sensitive. She has lived with Naomi long enough to see that Naomi had something she wanted. Naomi had something to offer she wanted. Secondly, she was also had an intuition that this is where if she follows her, something good is going to happen to her life. She probably didn't know what it was. But above all, like all women, she learns she's sacrificial. Women are sacrificial. Look at mothers. How much have they sacrificed for their families? Today, I want you, all of you, to really don't forget to thank your mothers for the sacrifices they've given you. Do you know mothers often will not eat the kaipei, the, the chicken drumstick to give to their children? Often the women will wake up early. I just heard of Mimi getting up so early in the morning to go breakfast for our son to make sure the stomach is full. Why does she do that? Because she's sacrificial. Why do we women sometimes, you know, do you know something? I look at my husband and I make sure that all his taxes are paid for his tax submission time, right? So that he doesn't have to worry about it. He can focus on the church. He can focus on, on revelations. But I will pick up all the little bitty. Why? Because we women are sacrificial. And that is what happened to Ruth. She's sacrificial. And in that sacrificial act of hers, she walked wholeheartedly towards, Jerusalem, uh, towards Judah back with her mother-in-law. And as a result, she walked into destiny. And you know, the last chapter of Ruth says this. Here's Naomi, Ruth, two women from different nations. One is an Israelite, one is a Moabitess. 
but only one destiny. What happened to them in the end? Well, the story goes that Ruth found a husband called Boaz. They married, and not only did they live happily ever after, they produced a son. And the name of the son was Obed. But who is Obed? He was the father of Jesse, the father of King David. In other words, if Ruth had not gone wholeheartedly with Naomi, if Naomi had not had a sense of direction to go back to Judah, and if the two of them did not embrace their womanhood and got rid of their and forgot about their pain, King David might never have been born. But do you know what? The lineage of King David dates back to these two women, Naomi and Ruth. So that's why today on Mother's Day, on Women's Day, I'm going to encourage every woman, God has a plan for your life. All his plans for you are for good and not for evil. The devil wants to take away that plan of your life. You know what? Because if he can take away the plan for your life, he can destroy your destiny. He can also destroy your husband's destiny, my children's destiny, or even your friend's destiny. And I would say even the destiny of mankind. That is what the devil is constantly doing to us women. But you know what? But when we rise in our womanhood, when we embrace our womanhood, and today, all of us, let's say, I'm glad I'm born a woman. Come on, every woman, write it down. Say, I'm glad I'm born a woman. I'm glad I'm born a woman. Secondly, begin to have wholesome thoughts, especially about our sexuality, about our gender. Don't look at sexuality as only sex itself. Then we end up being a sex slave. You don't want to be a sex slave. You want to be a wonderful sexual being, feminine, adding worth to this whole world. And because of that, Live wholeheartedly. God has plans for you. Don't forget that. So as I come to a close, I want to pray for every woman that is out there listening and I want to bless you. So I would encourage men, if you have your wives or, or, or children, if your mother is in front of you, or even girls, if you have someone next to you who's still a girl, put your hands around each other. Single girls, don't be so down. Don't say, oh, I'm single there, eh? all this cannot happen. A hey, single still woman, right? Yeah, so there you are. So let's really celebrate womanhood. And I'm going to bless you. Heavenly Father, today is the best news day for all of us women. For you have made us in the image of God. You have not made us to be the same as men, but you have made us to be equal yet different. So Lord, I bless every woman here to embrace their womanhood. Father, I pray especially for women who have gone through a lot of pain, women who have been childless, women who have feel like they will never get married. Father, I speak into their lives that they can hear you say to them, daughter, you are mine. You have been beautifully and wonderfully made for this moment. Arise, my child, into your moment of destiny. This is the right timing for you. So Lord, may they hear your voice. May they hear you calling out to them. May you bring healing to all the wounds they've experienced. May every emotional abuse be healed in the mighty name of Jesus. And because of that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause His face to shine upon you women and be gracious to you. And may the Lord God Almighty turn His face towards you and to your family and to all that's in your heart and give you His peace, a peace that will cause you 
never to have the strife against your womanhood. And so, Father Lord, I thank you for this day. May this weekend and the rest of these days be a wonderful day for all of us women. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.